You're listening to the 90-10 rule. 90% business, 10% music. Today on the 90-10 rule, we discuss radio play and promotion, becoming a business, and the political undertow that keeps most artists out of the top 10. But first, this. Joe with Pleasure Town. You can find her at soundcloud.com slash Dina Joe Music. Joe is spelled J-E-A-U-X. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 9010 Rule. I'm Kevin Davis, and as always, I got my brother B. Jennings with me. What's going on, Kev? Yo, what's going on, man? And um, on the line right now, man, I got a good brother. I'm glad he uh, made some time in his busy schedule to join us. David Anderson, what's going on, sir? Man, if I had your hands, I'd cut mine off. Why on earth would you do that? It's just some old people say. I just think it's cool. And it, it does sound flat. You know, you, you try to be gratitude to the, the next party. Hey, I can't call it. You got it, brother. All right. <laughs> I can't kill it and it won't die. <laughs> Is that like the old black man greeting? Is it in the handbook? I think it may be in the handbook. I ain't been to a few black people meetings, so it's been a minute. <laughs> I'll check again. Well, yo, Dave, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you could join us, brother. I, I wanted to uh, have you on the show in particular because not only do you have a, I mean, you've been a radio producer, you got a huge background in radio, but the things that you are doing with this book about entrepreneurialism and the business bully, oh my God, like I, I, I had to have you here because there's so much information that people need to know about, man. Matter of fact, do you want to give them an intro on the book and kind of tell them what's what? Yeah, um, I wrote this book simply because it's called Pitch, Close, Up, Sell, Repeat. Um, you can get it at fine bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com. It's number one in three countries. Um, I wrote the book primarily for people of our generation because our our parents really weren't big on um, entrepreneurialism. Our parents were kind of on this. And when I say that, I mean our, our parents' generation was more about go to school, go to college, get a job you know, go get a good job and retire from it. And then, you know, our generation is faced with things like being laid off, being pushed out, downsized, downtrodden, kicked out, uh, systematic white supremacy, things of that nature. And so what winds up happening is we have to fend for ourselves in a world that really doesn't care about us. 
you know, statistically, 300,000 people who have MBAs list tending bar as their main occupation. So that basically means from the time that you get out of college or graduate school, you're anywhere from $30,000 to $130,000 in debt. So something had to be done. And what I realized is it came down to not necessarily having a business as much as it is being able to sustain that business through knowing how to sell and knowing how to talk to people and knowing how to convey a message in a clear, concise manner. And that's where Pitch, Close, Upsell, Repeat came from. And I'm just blessed and and humbled that it's taken off. Okay, awesome, awesome. Because I I felt like from... Like with with some of the things that you say in in your book and and you've talked about on social media, I I feel like a lot of, in particular, young artists, because the the industry's changed. The industry's changed. Yeah, there's still people being discovered and, and, you know, kind of going through that process of the record label. But I think there's a lot more people who are building home studios and recording and mixing and putting out their own music and doing their own tours and so on and so forth. And so a lot of the the transferable skills, like I I, I think there are people out there that think about the music business as is as if it is an entity unto itself, as if there are things that like if you do music or if you've been in the music industry, nothing that you've done there can apply anywhere else. And I think that's false. Absolutely. It's false. I I think what, what it comes down to in this day and age is that people want to find the path of least resistance. People just want to go do what it is that they want to do without having to put any hard work in. There's no sweat equity. There's nothing really to show for it. And this whole idea that somehow puffy, is just going to descend from the clouds and come and just pick you out of obscurity and make you a star. <laughs> um, statistically, Diddy is, like, if he was um, a basketball player, he would be like Minute Bull. You know what I mean? Because he's like, what, 2 and 38? <laughs> you know, out of the 40 artists he signed, if you think I'm lying, let's just run this down for a minute. Where's Donnie Klang? Um, where's where, where's Dream? Uh, Fuzzbubble? Black Rob? G-Dep? Several incarnations of Mace. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, it comes down to people would rather put themselves into slavery to get 8% of the work they took 100% of their life to come up with, while 92% go someplace else, but all the expenses come out of your 8%. That, to me, is just like dumb sucker shit. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cuss, but sometimes it just comes out. You straight, but, man. We a podcast, yo. We- oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, just dumb sucker shit. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it gets to a place where it's like, why don't you get this? And the reason that they don't get it is because our people do not control any type of narrative. We don't understand that the media is there to entertain. I don't care if you're watching BET or the 6 o'clock news. It is not there to educate you or inform you. It is there to control a certain narrative. There is a reason that it's called programming. When I was a radio producer, I was in the programming department. When I was a program director, I was in the programming department. We do not make any decisions. People take what we do naturally, and then they trademark it, copyright it, and then go out and market it to us. And then we buy it in droves mm. with none of the profits. Can you go? Can and that you dig, goes from George to hair weaves. Can you dig a little deeper into we don't make any of the decisions? Kind of bring that home for people, because I don't think they know what you mean. Okay. Let's just take the radio industry, for example. 
people have this misconception because they've grown up watching TV and movies and they, they see these alleged reality shows about radio personalities and they think, oh, that must be how it is. And when I say that, the whole, hey, this is radio station, whatever. Hi, yeah, I'm calling in and I want to hear this song. And they're like, you got it instantly. Never happens. <laughs> when I was programming, um, when I was programming um, in Austin, Texas for CBS and I was programming a rap station, every record, every record, right down to the mix shows, was already decided weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, the record labels have what are called ad dates. So the record labels decide which singles come out, they decide when they want them all to go, and then they want a certain amount of spins from certain stations in certain areas. And they'll work a record regionally and then move it up. So a record from like um, somebody big in the South, you know, T.I. Not, you know, notwithstanding, but somebody big in the South will play in the South first, and then six weeks later it'll wind up in the North. But it is already set. There is no more of this, oh, I'm a local guy. I'm going to get all my friends, my babies, mamas, all seven of them if I'm future, and I'm going to have them just flood the radio station with requests. It's not going to happen. All you're going to do is just have a higher phone bill and wasted time. So this illusion of actually having a vote, you're going to be able to vote Hillary Clinton in the office before you ever <laughs> vote a record onto the radio. And we both know you don't get no control over a presidential election. Damn. So, I think we, yeah, you, I, you have no control. I, I mean, think, I, I just sobered me up. I think, like, I think we need to have actually a moment of silence for your plan, your marketing plan, listeners, that you had to go pay the radio station DJ to put your song in rotation. Now, <laughs> let's talk about payola for a minute. All right. Mm. Okay. Um, it's amazing to me, something that has been going on since Marconi flipped the switch or Tesla, depending on who you ask, um, is criminal when black people do it, but the radio stations do it all the time. And here's what I mean. Um, there is an entity of people who are called Indies. Now it is illegal for a, a record company to give a radio station money in order to play a record. That is illegal. That is payola. Okay. It is illegal for a record company to go to a radio station and say, we'll pay you if you just mention our artist. That is called Plug Ola. However, if there's an indie that has a promotional budget that the record label gives to him so that he can go out and provide promotional consideration to the to the radio station, then that's totally legal. But me giving uh, giving a a, a mixed show guy two hundred dollars to spin my record. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's somehow legal, and that's you know, you know, that'll get you a ten thousand dollar fine and this, that, and the third. You know, depending on who you are, there's three people in the radio station that may have a little leeway. Um, they are the um, the program director. There is the uh, the the mix show coordinator, <clears throat> and then. There's always one one-off show. There's always like the night jock or something like that who can right. probably get away with just a little bit of uh, flexibility on the playlist. And so you may be able to toss them a couple dollars, but for the most part, um, you just took your money and you just spent it on, you know, somebody's baby mama going out to Sizzler or something. <laughs> hey, but you know what? In, in regards to Playola or Plugola, I'm like, how could... I think everybody understands or recognizes that that's illegal. But who's going to enforce those rules because it's not like it's not like records aren't getting sponsored if you will as they are like as it is the system's already in place yeah those rules are are strictly designed in my personal opinion um to disenfranchise black people who aren't getting paid what they're worth let me give you some math so you can understand why i no longer do radio all right when i was in nashville when you and i met kevin right Mm -hmm. 
I was in my mid-20s. Um, I was making maybe 30 grand a year at the radio station, but I made 80 grand on the streets. Right. So if I'm making 30 grand a year, right? And because this is where it gets tricky. Now, each commercial break, there's two commercial breaks every hour for five hours that I'm on the air from seven to midnight. Each one of those spots is $500 for a 60 second spot. Five times five is 25. So how much... How much money did I make for that radio station where I'm number two, but everybody else in every other day part on my radio station is between 14th and 17th place? My commercial breaks were sold out. I'm not making a tenth of what I'm bringing in because mm-hmm. I would bring in on average anywhere between two to three million dollars a year. I didn't see a tenth of that. I didn't even see five um, percent of that. So, so you're so, saying that you, you just for to summarize thus far, you're saying that. The radio station was bringing in two to three million dollars a year in advertisements, but they were only paying you roughly thirty thousand. Roughly, not accounting appearance money and stuff like that. But I made my money in streets, like with mixtapes and things of that nature, and like TV stuff and, and different appearances. And oh yeah, baby, got to eat. We going finagle a bagel now. No, you already know. That's what we do. It out. But. Here's the ill stuff. Now, there there were people in that building who, in that company, that I was beating in the ratings, but they played country music or they were sports talk and they were making two, three million dollars a year, but not even bringing any anywhere near the revenue I was bringing. You see what I'm saying? Mm. And when that radio station folded, even though I had box seats to the Predators games, which is an NHL team, I had box seats. Like, I know hockey, I know baseball, I know sports. Um, do you think they offered me a job anywhere else, even though there were openings? No, because they saw me as the black jock who could only do black radio. Oh, yeah. You're the one they have to use because I can use you to go talk to them because I yep. can't talk to them. You know their language. So you go. Go speak to them. Go, go David, you do talk, your thing. You talk that Negro Bob talk. Do that, do that David thing. Yeah. Do that thing. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I'm not really here for it. If you think that that's a marketing strategy, you're a moron. Hate to break it to you. Can we dig a little deep? I want to dig one more, one more level down, if you don't mind. Okay, so okay. Uh, let's say eight years ago, maybe I was managing an artist, and this artist was adult contemporary. So that's like uh-huh. the, to- the Tom Joyner morning sh- morning show and the Steve Harvey show. Yeah. And um, we we were setting up to pay a radio promo guy or indie, as you call him. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically he was telling us it was about $80,000 to run us to run one record. Mm-hmm. Give the listeners a little bit of an idea of if that's urban adult contemporary, what does that mean for like a top 40 station or urban or, you know, can you, do you have the idea, like a, a ballpark figure? So if these guys yeah. are here trying to do their radio so, promo budget. Look at it like this, right? What you're talking about when you're doing urban adult contemporary, let me translate. That's my mom and pop up music. That is Jeffrey Osborne, that's Anita Baker, Luther Vandross, Kim, Angie Stone, uh, Jahim. Anybody who can actually sing goes on Urban AC. So that's where you were trying to get that record popped for about 80 grand, right. which is just about right. And depending on what they'll do, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll send out campaigns, they'll, they'll grease some palms on your behalf so you never get your hands dirty. Um, for an urban mainstream hip-hop station, you could probably tack on another 30 grand of that. For pop, you might as well come with two hundred grand and nothing else. 
That's and that's I, just speaking regionally. That's that's what I wanted. To, that's what I want our listeners to know. He slick dropped the mic right there, like because there's nothing else to say. I need him to know that though. Yeah. No. You know, well, I'm just sick of people having these illusions. Like it, it's going to happen. And and let me tell you something else. Ninety five percent of y'all ain't got no talent. <laughs> I will tell you, and and anybody who knows me can attribute to this. You're talking to somebody who has several awards. I made records. You know what I'm saying? So I, I know what a hit is. I mean, I've worked, I've, I've made records with Bun B. I've made records with uh, 3-6. Like, you know, I've done records. You know what I'm saying? And it's not an easy game. And I was on the radio. I had records that were charting. And even still, it's not it's not easy. The ludicrous thing will never happen again. Ever. Master P will never happen again. Uh, cash money will never happen again. And I am going to tell you why. The people who are trying to make it have a brain. And even the ones who do have talent, let's just separate the 95. Let's deal with the 5% that do have talent. Those people will never, ever, ever get there. And I will tell you why. The people who own the record companies, not the record labels, the people who own the record companies do not look like you. And they have an agenda. And that agenda is to make sure that you don't do anything revolutionary, that you don't pick yourself up, that you don't believe in you, that you don't look into that mirror and see 500 years of self-worth, struggle, and progress. They don't want you to see anything beyond what you see every day, which is, let's just review this, if you're living in the hood, you have three things you see every day. You see a liquor store, uh, you see uh, dope dealers and or dope, and it's mass... uh, it's mass byproducts, and then you see the church. None of those things are any good for you. And because none of those things are any good for you, you continue to just dwell in that. And anything that would probably lift you out of oppression will never see the light of day. You can give me any type of name that you want, and I'll prove to you that that company is not black. Hmm. Hey, so matter of fact, let me ask you this then, because as... As a do-it-yourselfer, like you met me when I was an artist and I was running the streets of Nashville, promoting myself, promoting my homeboys and my label and doing our thing, right? Yes, indeed. So now as a business person, mm-hmm. right, I'm promoting my product, which is my music. Yep. And in that, I am savvy enough to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here or I don't have enough information here. I want to go out and I'm going to hire a radio promotion expert. I need a radio promotion specialist, someone who has done this before, who does it for a living, who has promoted popular records that I've already heard on the stations that I want my record to be on. Mm -hmm. Um, Matter of fact, I don't know if you do you remember. I don't know if you remember JC, right? Another Nashville artist. Yeah, you probably. I hope you remember one of our guests. Yeah, yeah. I think that was what because he was early number. Yeah. So listeners, check rule two. Yep. Rule number one. Rule number two. No shelf life. Yes. Rule number two. All right. So JC was on here and he was talking about how he was going about getting his record promoted. Mm -hmm. I think what ten ten grand, fifteen grand, got Mm -hmm. disappeared. I'm so gave surprised. Him record, gave him the check. Dude disappeared. Huh. Come on, imagine. That's, mm. And now you, and especially for an independent artist, you've invested 15 grand in, into promoting your product, and now you right back to square one because nobody yep. still hasn't heard the record. Yep. 
I, I, I can't remember if it was the one that he was talking about with Rick Ross, or he had another record with Future. Um, one of the two. It was it was one of them records that should have gone, could have gone, didn't. <laughs> um, and the, and the, the great part about it is, and when I say great, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. But the great part about it is, you can't sue the dude because everything you're doing is illegal. You can't call the cops because let's like calling the cops because somebody stole your crack. Like <laughs> you're done. Right. It's over with. It's the principle. You can take that money. <laughs> okay. You want you want a real tip? It, it, you 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 indie people who still have dreams of rapping outside of your cousin's basement. Here you go. Take that money. Right. And put it into doing something that makes sense. Get you some tastemakers. Get you um, some YouTubers, some Snapchatters. Um, spend that money on people who are on TV. Spend that money on people who actually have an audience and have influence on them on the internet. And I mean real influence, you know. Uh, and, and do it that way. But trying to do it through traditional means or some kind of backdoor means is not going to work. I don't care how big the DJ's name is locally. He has no power. This is what you call a Lady Eloise situation. No wow. power, <laughs> just the name on the package. Uh, come uh, come bring your record to Lavender Hill. Uh, <laughs> as soon as you said Lady Eloise, my face crunched up. Uh. Yeah. No power. Like I said, if you name me a black record company, I will prove to you right now that this is just an REO company. Please try. I love this game. <laughs> you're not you're not gonna get us in that one. We we already wow. know. So you yeah, trying to hold on, you trying to tell me no limit is not black owned? <laughs> <laughs> no limit's owned by Universal, man. Not to <sighs> mention. Uh, with that situation, Master P got a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful deal. But let's face it, you can trace everybody who really owns that situation to somebody who's Jewish. What about rap a lot? <laughs> oh, well, now, no, mm, mm, no, no. What you ain't going to do is have me see anything against Jay hey, Prince. Right. Moving on. <laughs> no, nah, we wasn't going to do that, no. man. That's 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 family, man. Respect no, to them Jay, out there. Jay Prince has looked out for me on a lot of things. I ain't saying nothing bad about Jay Prince. So we, we can move on from that. Well, I do actually want to, I want to kind of change directions a little bit because, mm -hmm. because of your background in entrepreneurial things and mm -hmm. your book, I think that if everybody who's listening right now took a step back from whatever it is they're doing, their artistry, uh, you know, rapping, singing, whatever it is, they took a step back, they would recognize that they're a business. So mm -hmm. I kind of want you to, to go into ways that they can turn what they think of as just singing into business. What, what are the small things? What are the beginner steps? Okay. First things first, if you look at, I'll give you an example of, of how white folks do things versus how black folks do things. And this is not somebody's better. It's just somebody has a different set of knowledge that we don't necessarily get. So racist. Um, Gary Coleman died as a security guard at a mall. Okay. Um, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, one or two years in the, uh, to Full House, had a company started by an attorney, and that company was called Dual Star. That company made them billionaires because they made sure that they turned themselves into a production company Damn. first. So let me take that down to a local level. What you need to do, first of all, is get a business license. Then you need to get a business account. Never have a sole proprietorship. If you're in the music industry, you want to have an LLC. Don't get a DBA account. I don't care what somebody tells you. They're stupid. Listen to me. Get yourself an LLC. It doesn't cost that much. Please don't use LegalZoom. Find an attorney. Get it set up. Then, after that, 
the problem with 95% of you independent people is you want to invest in stupid things. Y'all want to look good when you're on stage to do a show that's only going to see, be seen by 30 people, who half of them are drunk. You know, uh, the uh, remaining half, um, half of them are just trying to fuck somebody. And then there's maybe, you know, that, that last quarter that is there to hear some music. And maybe out of them, half of those like you. So you're, you're, you're not really getting what you need to get. So you need to treat your situation like a campaign. You have to have all types of, of, of swag. And I'm not just talking about like bumper stickers and t-shirts. That's just dead as disco. I'm talking about things that are creative that people can't get enough of. You know, um, flash drives are always cool. People like storage. You want to be able to have something that, that makes sense. Even if you do something as creative as um, get uh, little girls to put like um, lights on their on their laces, on their sneakers, something dumb like that. When I was in Minneapolis, there was a show called Todd and Tyler. And Todd and Tyler is a rock show. You've never heard of them, but they're syndicated in 30 markets and they're millionaires. They went into the host hotel of this conference that I was in. And you know how you go to the bathroom in a hotel and you have the urinals. And in those urinals, there's a, uh, there's a urinal cake. And under that urinal cake, there's like a pad. Their pads had their faces and said, this will be the only time you'll be able to piss on the Todd and Tyler radio empire. So by the time every radio exec walked out of the bathroom, it's like, who the fuck is Todd and Tyler and why are they in the toilet? <laughs> Y'all don't think like that. Right. Y'all want to be cool. Y'all so busy being cool that you broke and nobody knows who the hell you are. There is a dude. And, and, and while Kevin Davis had hunted spoke and I remember those records to this day and that's a good decade later, there was a guy who could outmarket him and damn near every artist I've ever seen in Nashville couldn't rap worth for shit, but he marketed his ass off and his name was Louie Lou. Louie Lou had some developmental issues mentally, but Louie Lou had a tape of himself rapping and being in the studio and he took time to like color all the tapes. This is before DVD players were less than $4,000. So you're going back a ways. Anyway and anyhow, he would give these things out to everyone and he came to the radio station with a box of them and it was so funny and i think he realized that even though he was kind of touched in the head he was smart enough to realize that people find him entertaining and maybe they'll like one of his songs and so every time an artist came through and i mean everybody from little john to 50 cent to david banner i gave them a copy of this tape not in hopes that louis lou would get signed because he was hot garbage but the shit was just so damn funny you couldn't take your eyes off it it was a train wreck but y'all want to be so cool y'all want to y'all want to look like y'all so hard y'all yeah. fucking all these bitches and why you fucking all these bitches you fucking yourself because you're not getting any traction nobody remembers you five seconds nine times out of ten there are people who are paying to open up for artists for a show that just comes through town and you're basically paying to be the dude that's on the stage while i get my girl nachos so you, you got to think a few steps ahead. The dude, We're not creative anymore. The dude that's on the stage. Oh, my God. This, this is why I love <laughs> this guy, my man. Girl Kev, he I know so you much, for yo, Don't like, act like you haven't done this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, though, but the dude that's on the stage while I go get my girl some nachos. <laughs> oh, my God. That was Hey, man, you're going to hurt some feelings today, man. Motherfuckers oh, are throwing their phones. I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize I was on the, I was on the Care Bear show. I <laughs> but, that, I mean, that's part of the reason they call you the business bully, because it's tough okay. talk. I mean, it's, it's tough talk. It is real shit. Yeah, absolutely. 
Mama won't lie to you. Your mama lies to you. Tells you you're great. Keep at it, baby. I'm going to tell you you suck and, and help you. That's real. You know, that's the problem. We don't like yeah. constructive criticism. We yeah. can't stand it. Anybody who's giving you constructive criticism is a hater. Here's a, a difference between somebody who's a hater and somebody who's giving you constructive criticism. A hater does not want to see you do well. Somebody who's giving you constructive criticism is probably ahead of you, probably has their shit together, is not threatened by you in any way. I'm good. Whether you like me or not, whether you take my advice or not, it's not going to stop my books from selling. It's not going to stop my wife from being beautiful. It's not going to stop my bills from being paid. So what do I have to gain by hating on you? But y'all don't think like that. Anytime somebody says something other than, oh, you're great, you get all butthurt and bitch made and, and you get mad. Well, yeah, I mean, because music is music is emotional, and and I put I put my all into it. We've been up for hours and hours and hours and doing this shit, and so yeah, motherfuckers be sensitive and and trying to figure it out, man. But and and a lot of times, once you and and I don't know if you want to take it from, but once you say something, a lot of times you can't take it back. You can't take yeah. it back. It's out there. So yep. if you respond and and if you're an artist and you respond to criticism in a negative way, you may think that you're only attacking or or throwing something back at your quote unquote haters. I'm throwing my my air quotes here. My finger pro finger quotes. Yeah, my <laughs> fingers is jumping right. All right. right. So uh yeah, you may think you clapping back at the haters, but at the same time, you've turned off some fans that you didn't even know you had. They were interested. They were trying to see what you were about. They like what you've delivered thus far. And then they saw that interaction. They heard that interaction. And uh, you know what? I don't like him so much no more. Listen, man. And like I was on a breakfast club a couple months ago, right? And they had asked me about Bill Cosby because I went to Temple. And I was like, y'all ready to punish Bill Cosby, but Ain't nobody stopping playing the R. Kelly records. Say what you want about R. Kelly, and I've said a lot about him, um, but R. Kelly really is not here for your opinions. He's like, I'm still R. Kelly. I don't give a damn what you say. Even if you have the evidence, I don't give a damn what you say. You know, he has a, he has a giraffe mentality, and a lot of people have a, 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 a bottom feeder mentality. Giraffe eats from the top of the trees. He can't even hear you from way up there. But y'all responding to any little thing. All I got to do is poke, and here you come. You said this and F the haters, and you responding to everything. Hashtag, you're a punk ass. Like, stop. And you do know something what? productive. But you know what? Here's, here's why this clapping back to haters and constructive criticism and all that, here's why that is so important to being able to build your business. Because, one, in music... Everybody is a critic. People that have no fucking idea about music, all of a sudden is a critic, right? They hear your song and they know whether or not that's trash. They're, they have an opinion on how you should have done whatever it was that was in your head, right? Right. But these are the same people that are, are going to support you. These are the same people that are going to buy your record. And if you do not have thick enough skin to be able to take the criticism, to be able to brush it off, to be able to ignore it, to be able to not give a fuck, you're going to drown. You're going to drown. Absolutely. Would you agree? I mean, it's like this, right? I remember 
in in the mid two thousands, not too long after I left Nashville, I wound up in Austin, and I got a phone call, and it was like, "Yo, this is such and such. Um, I represent Bubba Sparks. Bubba Sparks wants to meet with you. He just wants to sit down and and talk." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." You know, what I mean, I had no issue with Bubba Sparks. Ugly was a good record, whatever. And he was like, "Well, you know, I, I had this record, and I had this, and you know, I said he said I know you liked Ugly, but you didn't like this, that, and the third, and I kind of wanted to know why." And I said, do you want to know? He said, yeah. I said, I'm going to tell you. Wasn't as good. Well, why wasn't it as good? I said, because on that on that ugly record, you put all your frustrations in there. The beat was banging, and I could hear that you realized that this was your moment, this was your time. And then all of a sudden, you got comfortable. You know, you, the quality of the women that you were messing with probably got better. The food probably got better. You know, life just got better. You and Timberland are buddy-buddy in the studio, and everything is wonderful. And you're going to suffer the same fate as Petey Pablo. And Damn. I'm sorry, when's the last time you heard a Bubba Sparks record? But he took the criticism like a man. Not everybody can do that. Didn't save his career, but still. Yeah. And Meg's so bad, I think the last time, I think I saw Petey Pablo on Empire. <laughs> Real shit. I think I saw him as a, uh, I think he had like a, a extra or he was standing behind Terrence Howard or some shit like that. <laughs> I do not like you. That's so wrong. Hey, man. Hey, you know, Petey Pablo did the fatal thing you should never, ever do. There's two things you should never make as a rapper. You should never make a record and say forever, and you should never make a record where you're gloating. <laughs> he didn't make a forever record, but don't act like y'all don't remember. I told y'all. <laughs> it's like, no, dog. No, shh, don't do that. Well, you know what? In uh, Here's something that's changed uh, dramatically, too. Because people already have memories for, you know, the shit that you told them back then and all of that. Like, I, I get that. But right. now that we have the internet and social media and everybody knows how to create memes and work these apps, yo, the shit that happened that you said 10 to 15 years ago, that shit is alive. <laughs> that shit is alive. It's real. It's on the internet. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care what Kanye does. Somebody, like, I saw something recently where they were talking about the chick, the Delta that he dated when he was in college, and it was a picture of him, of Kanye, the chick that he was dating, and Kim Kardashian. I ain't got nothing else to say. <laughs> you already know where that's going. Now, why why the three of them were in the picture, I have no idea. But in 2016, there was a meme about it <laughs> floating the internet. So imagine being this chick who already broke up with Kanye. She trying to get him off her mind, so on and so forth, move on with her life. And now she happens to be scrolling down her phone. <laughs> Somebody posted this shit. Bringing up all your old shit. <laughs> Yo, I'm just saying, so in being that that's the case now, yo, like, people used to be able to say shit, and it would slide, and if nobody noticed, right. yo, everybody you forgot. It down. Right. Yeah, it's it's done. Nobody's going to bring that shit up. Not today. Not oh. today. No, 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 no. Things have changed. <laughs> and that's why I think it's more important nowadays to understand what branding is and how, how to, you know, positively brand your, your product. David, David, could you give us an idea of bad branding versus good branding? This doesn't have to be related to just music. This is just period, business-wise. All right. Um, okay, let's talk about good branding. Now, 
I will say this. Um, if you've ever gone out to a club, never in the history of ever has anybody ever said, I want a rum and Pepsi. <laughs> a rum and Pepsi. Who the heard. fuck eats a <laughs> No one ever says that shit. You know, um, no one, uh, you know, if you, you know, you got a kid, like I, I've got two kids. If my kid cuts themselves, I'm not going to go to the store and grab some adhesive bandages. I'm right. getting a Band-Aid. Okay? Um, bad branding. Emojis on the side of a Pepsi bottle. For the fuck what? Makes absolutely no sense. Serves no purpose. It's just a response to a Coke situation. Bad branding is always reactionary. It is never proactive. Mm -hmm. Your brand, in a sense, when it comes to you as an individual, I don't care if you're a janitor or if you have dreams of conquering the music industry, your brand is what people are saying about you when you're not in the room. It is your reputation. It is what you are known for. It's the thing that people can uh, uh, identify you are, as. Do you know who uh, General Larry Platt is? Yeah. Most people don't, but they know pants on the ground. Yeah. That's, That's exactly what I was. Well, I, I had to book him, so you know. Looking like a fool with your pants right. on the ground. Say what you want, but you know him. So you know Larry Platt is that's that's who he is. But his but his brand is pants on the ground. You see what I mean? So you have to make sure that you not only take care of your reputation, but you cultivate it and you protect it. And a lot of people don't take enough time to develop the goodwill part of their brand. They don't. Um, do anything charitable, mm -hmm. you know, and you should do charity for charity's sake, but you should always do charity because it's a great form of free publicity and it's good karma. And you and know what? Hey, I'm glad you I'm said glad that too, man. Let me, let me ask you this because when, when charity, when people do charity and then mm -hmm. it is broadcast as uh -huh. I am, this is me, Kevin mm -hmm. Davis, and I'm doing charity. Everybody uh -huh. look at me doing charity, right? right? Now, I think that some people perceive that as you're trying to make yourself look good. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I feel like like there's so much, especially with, with rappers and, and other musicians, they put out so much bullshit. They show uh -huh. themselves in a negative light. They show themselves drinking liquor. They show themselves uh -huh. smoking weed. They show themselves... Uh -huh doing all sorts of things that don't exactly add money to your wallet. However, when it comes time to charity, that's the stuff we don't show that. Yeah, but you also have to remember who's controlling the narrative. You lived in Nashville, Tennessee. Look, man, I know plenty of country artists who have done plenty of bumps of coke in front of me. No, never a camera around, though. Never, ever. You know, um, Jay-Z you know, gave millions to the victims of 9-11, put on a concert. Did anybody say anything? No. Uh, when Jay-Z and Beyonce bailed out all those uh, protesters, you know, with all this Black Lives Matter stuff that was happening, all these riots and stuff, mm -hmm. did anybody say anything? No. 
you know. But even then, when you start talking about the Illuminati and this, that, and the third, you know, people want to talk about Jay-Z, this, that, and the third, but you never talk about the charitable works that that man does. And if you do, then you try to knock him off. But then again, it's like, well, what are you doing? So it's a double-edged sword. You have to do it because it's the human thing to do, but you also have to look at um, what you're doing and who is actually delivering the message as to what the motive is. Because it's never you delivering a message. You know, you could be jacked up and still deliver a message. For example, Sandra Bullock, not too long after her uh, ex-husband, Jesse James, um, was found out to be a racist and cheating on Sandra Bullock with a known white supremacist, did she start showing off her black baby? Did that black baby need a home? Yes. Did Sandra Bullock do the blind side? Yes. Was it a great PR opportunity to say, look, everybody, I'm not a racist. Yes. Yes. Is Sandra Bullock a racist? I met the woman. She ain't no racist. But at the end of the day, don't think that that wasn't a PR move. So it's six in one hand, half a dozen the other. We nitpick over the dumbest shit. True. You know. But we're not in control of anything. We don't control anything. And it's our own damn fault. How do we have a trillion dollars in spending power, but nothing to show for it? How is it right now? Name a person who is black who can go into Chinatown right now and put up a shop. In Name Chinatown? I'll wait. Man, you can't even do uh, it in the hood. No, but I'm just saying, you can't. You you can go into the hood and actually do your stuff. If you have enough money, you can buy a storefront in the hood, but you won't. Then the people in the hood will complain about how you go into a Chinese restaurant and you got to give them your money through bulletproof glass, but you keep serving. You keep going in there and paying them. You'll talk about how... Um, you know, Arabs or foreigners uh, won't touch your hand when they take your money, but you're going in there and you're paying them. But then you'll go into a black business, if there is a black business in your neighborhood, and talk about the prices are too expensive, or they didn't say hello quick enough, or there's always some kind of issue. But you don't have that criticism when Walmart has 50 checkout aisles and only two of them are open. But you'll stand there for those... Yes, yes, yeah, I was getting too real. White people come around and take your show. Yeah, man. <laughs> and the wiring. Break. You ain't never having me back on this show. <laughs> shit, shit uh, we got technical difficulties happening and shit as soon as you start talking, man. Goddamn, what? <laughs> yeah. Who is listening to you, man? <laughs> Yo, man, let, listen, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> like, here, no, I'm going to tell you something real because, like, a lot of people don't believe this situation. But because when you hear it from people, you think that they're crazy. And so I'm going to tell you the truth. Here's the truth. There is no Illuminati. So let's get that out of the way. There are, however, concerned individuals. And when you reach a certain plateau, those concerned individuals will come to you and they will have what I call the conversation. And depending upon that, that uh, the way that you answer the questions that are asked during that conversation uh, depends on where you go and what you do. I personally will not sell my soul. So that was that. But you have to ask yourself, how is it that Oprah Winfrey, let's just take Oprah for a minute, shall we? Oprah Winfrey went on a rant against Ludacris when uh, Ludacris was doing Crash and had the press junket. And what wound up happening was... I think I remember hearing something about this, too. Where like like Oprah didn't like she didn't want Luda on the show because he was want a rapper. On the show. I talked to Luda Chris about this. Um, there's tapes of it somewhere. 
Um, but he was like, yeah, you know, she literally just beat me up. You know, she had a thing against rap. Just all rap music, all rappers were, were misogynistic, drug dealers, this, that, and the third. So stop, just stop, let's put, that, put a pin in that for a minute, and I'm going to recite some lyrics to you. Now tell me if this sounds familiar. We're all my niggas with the rubber grips, bus shots, and if you with me, my, I'll rub your tits and whatnot. So why is it that after a certain conversation, um, Oprah winds up going to Marcy Projects with Jay-Z? Let's take it a step further. Um, never in the history of cinematic uh, endeavors, even with going in the wind, birth of the nation, none of that, um, have you had a situation where somebody says that a book, a, a book it was was written by somebody, but you look at the movie Precious based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. Now, how do you executive produce something a year after the fact that it was already made? Because apparently Oprah and Tyler Perry had a conversation with the people at Lionsgate, and they were told that they had to endorse this movie in order to keep black people from rioting. Otherwise, how do you explain um, a situation where there's a girl who's being abused by her mother sexually, uh, raped by her father, having mongoloid babies, winds up with AIDS, and nobody gets outraged? But they keep saying, precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Gabourey Sidibe is every damn where right now. Every damn where right now. When the last time you saw Joy Bryant? So, I will take it a step further. Dave Chappelle had the biggest show on the planet. Biggest show on the planet. Made $500 million for Comedy Central. They wanted to give him a tenth. Right. He was like, y'all crazy. When I'm the contract said half or something like that? Yeah, contract said half. They was trying to give him 10%. And by the t- they said, and he was like, I'm not taking this. I'm going to let my fans know what's going on. This, that, and the third. They said, by the time you leave here, wherever you go, by the time you get back, you'll be branded crazy. Sure enough. Where's Chappelle? Do- doing shows in nightclubs? Maybe a stadium show here and there? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Cat Williams all of a sudden has all these legal troubles. But Cat Williams is the only one telling the truth. Cat Williams was starting to wake up people. Go back and listen to Cat Williams, any one of his shows, where he tells black people to get in touch with their star player. You know, you got to pick yourself up. He even gives the example of Oscar Pistorius, where he talks about he had, you know, his legs cut off, poor little tink, 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 tink. Yeah, Oscar Pistorius shot his girlfriend. Yeah, y'all believe that, right? Come on. Stop. Think about what's happening, and then thinking about why you're not looking any deeper into it. Because y'all believe that everything that somebody says is some conspiracy theory. And the biggest conspiracy theory is that there really is a conspiracy. Everybody else stays in their lane. We're we're the variables because we're the original people. So you have to look at it from that perspective. And once you realize that, you realize that you should not be trying to fight to get into somebody else's system. If somebody who does not look like you is controlling your situation, do you really think Dr. Dre needed Jimmy Iovine for that Beats by Dre situation? With that Apple deal, do you think he needed Jimmy Harvey for that? No. Who who won in the East Coast, West Coast beef? Jimmy Harvey. I'm sorry, who distributes Bad Boy Records now? Jimmy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it must be my birthday. Because <laughs> apparently I'm just pulling these facts out of my ass. So if you make a certain amount of money, the conversation will come your way. And um, you're either going to put on a dress like Kevin Hart had to do on that one-off episode of Saturday Night Live in order for him to be the king of comedy, no longer Cat Williams, um, 
These are things that happen. I ain't make them up. It's no fact. They had a conversation with Wesley Snipes and they got him on taxes. Just saying. Mike Will made it. She telling me that she feeling freaky And she don't usually get this way She had a couple drinks, she feeling tipsy I'm guessing she's a lightweight She got a face in my neck Kissing on me like she wants sex I dig it And now I'm thinking what's next But I kind of feel like I'm taking advantage She said don't think of me but you're doing something to my mind She said, baby, please, please believe I'm really hard to find Because she's a good girl, a good girl, a good girl She said she's a good girl, a good girl, a good girl Told me she don't normally really do this type of thing But she's really feeling me now She's a good girl, a good girl, a good girl mm. She said she knows exactly what she's doing But she ain't never done this, no She told me that she hopes after we do this I won't consider her a hoe I said I won't lose respect Especially since she kept it real I dig it, mm. Now I'm knowing what's next And I don't feel like I'm taking advantage She said don't think of me differently But you're doing something to my mind She said baby please, please believe I'm really hard to find Because she's a good girl, a good girl, a good girl She said she's a good girl That was Blaylock with Good Girl here on the 9010. Okay, yeah. Now, one of the things, like with Prince, Prince uh-huh. is a huge conspiracy right now. At least I feel like, because I don't believe that he died of, of drugs or overdose. Like, that's not some shit that you do older in age. You know? But that's, that's a different conversation. The... I, I, a lot of the disenfranchisement, whether it's systematic or not, whether that's your opinion or whatever, you can debate that. But a lot of the disenfranchisement that black people have, I feel like is largely due to the lack of ownership of their music. When have we ever owned if, our if music? If black people owned black music, where do you think we would be? Africa. It ain't going to happen in this country. You can't name me a period where that's happened. And don't give me, don't pull Ray Charles out of your ass. Outlier. Don't hand me Michael Jackson, and I'll get to that in a minute. Outlier. But huh? yeah, because they said Prince had just gotten his, uh, just gotten his masters and did the deal oh. with with Jay. Uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. but we're talking but, about but, three people out of how many artists that have ever existed. Well, you know, because right. this is this is the whole thing. Like my. When we talk about this campaign that we've done uh, or, or doing about no more starving artists, right? Right. There's, there is, there's a level of pe- peculiarity, at least from my perspective, 
Because if you want to say that JoJo with no talent has been trying to sell his CD to people in Walmart coming out of the uh, coming out of the store in the parking lot. If JoJo isn't, isn't making any money because he's running up on people in Walmart, then that's one thing, right? That's JoJo's fault, right? right? right. But there are multi-platinum artists, globally successful, diamond-selling artists, and right. they broke too. You talked about yep. how Gary Coleman died as a security guard in the mall. You, you talk about how all these... Artists, legends in their own uh-huh. right, uh-huh. didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. And I think it's okay. something fishy. I think it's something fishy across the board. How about and, how about all the pioneers of hip hop? Absolutely. Every one of them. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and they started the most popular form of music there is in the world. Did they? Hell yeah, hip-hop was supposed to be a fad right. As far as they they thought Right. As far as they oh. Hip-hop was oh. supposed to be Here today, gone tomorrow We ain't got to worry about it no and more Now Japanese kids are hip-hop And white okay, people let's, are let's, hip-hop let's, let's back this up Because one thing that I don't do Is I don't rewrite history And in saying that I am not taking away anything about us okay. because our people are people that are so creative that when they did not give us musical instruments in public schools, we took our grandparents' turntables, put them together, and made music off of other music. That's where DJing came from. Right. The MC was there to tell everybody how great the DJ was. Right. That was the MC's job. Right. Then the MC decided he no longer needed the DJ. Here's the problem. The second it became popular, and it's not when you're thinking, because a lot of people think, oh, it was the 90s or 2000 or the second or third. No, the second it became popular was when Deborah Harry went out on a limb and, and did Rapture. Yep. That's when hip-hop became commercial. Do not get this twisted. Because here's the thing. Are you going to riot when someone says, I said a hip? Hop, a hibbit, a hibbit to the hip, hip hopping, you don't stop, I'm rocking to, I could go on, but you get my point. Right. That's happy music. Happy music makes people happy. Happy music. Music the savage beast. So, then you move forward. Um, Run DMC did not get to Def Jam until five years after Def Jam became an entity. And even with that, everybody talks about Russell, but they don't talk about Rick Rubin. There would be no Def Jam without Rick Rubin. Truth. Think about that. And what does Rick Rubin do mostly right now? Rock, rock, rock records. Yeah, rock. He started a whole other label for rock. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but he was so down. I'm sorry. The last hit Rick Rubin made that anybody cares about is 99 Problems with a bitch ain't one. Truth. This, but you don't see the connections here. All right. Now, when it comes to Prince, let's break this down. Anytime you get out of line, these same interested parties, I'll call them because they're not the Illuminati. That's a whole different situation. These same interested parties will take note. They'll put a pin in it, and they'll come back when you least expect it, and then you'll catch a bad one. You mean to tell me that somebody who is smart enough to systematically annihilate the system... Kev, I'm going to give you an example. Do you remember when we were in Nashville and Prince did the Musicology Tour? Yeah. All right. That tour made the entire industry change the rules after Prince. Because before Prince, nobody ever thought about this. Prince took... The cost of the ticket inflated it enough to cover the cost of his musicology album, and everybody who came through that door got, an album. got a copy of that album, and he sold a good two and a half million. Mm-hmm. 
just from performing Baby, 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 I'm a Star, and all this other Easy. You know, and Prince was dangerous because Prince was unapologetically black, but he was open to everyone. When you look at that audience, you had people who walked around like Marilyn Manson, you had people walking around like Minister Farrakhan, and they were all there in awe of Prince. You mean to tell me that somebody who was smart enough to hire an attorney put slave on his face in order to get people to notice what was going on because he was the second biggest pop artist in the world, only second to Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. You mean to tell me somebody that smart didn't have a will? Somebody who was smart enough to make hundreds of records, put them in a vault that only he had the uh, had the combination for, didn't have a will. And y'all believe that because the news told you that. You believe that Bill Cosby raped all these women because the news told you that. But you don't think that had something to do with the fact that he tried to buy NBC and that it wasn't enough for them to kill Ennis. Y'all, y'all just think that these, these things just happen. So when you look at the bigger picture, you have to look at it for what it is. Hip-hop is being controlled. That's why Talib Kweli, who can arguably rap pretty much anybody under the table, will never, ever, ever get airplay. That is why people like David Banner, who all of a sudden, you know, and I'm not going to say all of a sudden, but he had a wake-up moment when he was overseas, and he saw people looking at us, you know, when he had the number one record in the country, and they were looking at us in a different way, and he saw what the impact of what was happening in hip-hop was doing to the mainstream. Now he got this Godbox album ready to drop, and I don't know how much time Banner has left. There are things happening, but we're so wrapped up in ourselves that we don't see it and we write it off. Just like when you watch these elections. Let me ask you, Kev, I've, I've been friends with you for the better part of a decade and some change now. There's nothing you could do that would make me alter that friendship. I would not turn against you. I would not speak out against you publicly. If you and I had an issue, we could solve it like men because we have a basis in friendship. So explain to me how somebody who could stand at somebody else's wedding and say such vehement evil things about his alleged friend. And if you wonder who I'm talking about, explain to me why Donald Trump is saying all these horrible things about Hillary Clinton when he has been a friend of the Clintons forever. Oh, that's, when oh, he that's was different. at Chelsea's wedding. Yeah, they, they... It's the WWE. That's, yeah, that's, that's rigged all day, man. He's, he's a plant. Way. He's a plant. I, I believe that. Was, he's a plant. Oh, absolutely. Not only is he a plant, he's the best possible plant in the world. He's a plant that nobody believes is a plant. Not only that, check it out, right? Donald Trump does something that no other politician knows how to do. Donald Trump speaks in sound bites to the lowest common denominator. Donald Trump literally branded every other of those 17 uh, uh, Republican nominees and gave them a title and everybody bought into it yeah. because he used what was called neurolinguistic programming. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump took Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush, who turned around Florida, improved education, made several horrible cities in Miami better for black people. And said he was low energy. And he's got a Mexican wife. And you can't trust him. And all anybody heard was low energy. Now let's take somebody like Mike Huckabee, who wanted to get rid of the illegal organization known as the IRS. And he told him he was unfit. Nobody cares about you. He made he, he called Ted Cruz Lion Ted and everybody believed it. Carly Fiorina, who did save HP but then took an L, is still extremely capable. He told everybody that she was ugly. He literally wiped them out like Eminem did in 8 Mile. And y'all don't think that somebody put the fix in to make sure that she had her turn because she didn't need a monkey wrench like Barack Obama coming again 
And when I say monkey wrench, I don't mean it in a racist term. I mean literally throwing a monkey wrench in, in a design plan of good 30 save. years of Bushes and Clintons. Good save, good save. Nah, I took it as a racial... <laughs> I took it yeah, as an insult. <laughs> but you know what I mean you, you gotta dig deeper man but we don't we just oh whatever they say that's what it is y'all believe this Zika virus y'all believe this Ebola yeah cause God forbid you go to see Africa yourself mm. how many people you know got Ebola name them I don't even know nobody that thought about that they may have it no, but a bunch of people that talk shit about it I don't know nobody that actually like had to go to the doctor. Hey, man, don't tell nobody, dog. <laughs> don't tell nobody. That's the point, but if you I go to a doctor's office, they'll ask if you've traveled to Africa. I don't, I don't even know nobody that took an Ebola test. Yeah. But that's all you see on the news. Just like all you see on the news are, are black women on welfare when the number one minority on welfare is white women. And you wonder why your record can't get played? Are you fucking kidding me? Please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that does, I, I guess that does, you know, kind of um, hold things in perspective. I'm trying. You know, but at the, because at the grand scheme, I mean, I, I think there is, there is a larger, obviously there's a bigger picture. Because mm-hmm. when you're just starting out and you're just trying to pursue your dream and, and get your voice heard, you ain't thinking about all of that. You're not thinking nope. about somebody trying to steal Prince Masters and all that bullshit. You're not. You, nope. That's that's way beyond. You just want to get somebody to say, "Yeah, man, that was dope." Uh huh. You know what I mean? Maybe right. maybe maybe your your crush like you now because she heard your song or some shit like that. Or maybe you able to achieve some smaller barrier. But if you starting from scratch, you're not even thinking about that other shit. That is that's definitely advanced level. 501 class. Yo, but here's my thing, though, right? Why is it that everybody else is thinking advanced level 501 class? Why is that so hard for us to process? And then you wonder why everybody just keeps lapping us and lapping us. and la- Even people who look like us. Nigerians come over here and lap us. Ethiopians come over here and lap us. Hell, people from the Caribbean come over here and lap us. But you know what, though? I have a theory about that as well, though, David. I feel like the people that come from Nigeria and those countries... What we're doing is we're bringing, that's the best of the, those people, the people that could afford and had the, the wherewithal to get out and to, 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 you know, journey into the world. So I think that that's a, almost an unfair comparison in some ways because you're comparing everybody here to the best of theirs. Okay, I don't, I don't even know that. Like, I don't know that, that Nigeria is sending the best of their people and I don't know that Mexico is sending the worst, right? I, I, I can't say that. <laughs> I know that people are coming, and a lot of times when they get here, I mean, if they're here as a student, that's one thing. Right. But a lot of people come overseas, or excuse me, come from overseas, and they're able to get money from the government to be able to start their businesses, buy their home. They're looking in certain neighborhoods, so on and so forth. Right. So that if but if that's, that's if we're being if black people are being lapped by foreigners. It's because they're getting a hand up. But from isn't that like the Europeans? At home? The, the Europeans that come here to get all that. Like the, the Nigerians have to no. be here on their own, right? Or am I wrong? No, wrong. Now let's take it a step further because what you said was interesting, and I want to stay there for a minute because okay. your theory is that, um, well, you know, they, they they send their best and they come over here. Um, I know plenty of Nigerians, and some of them ain't the damn best. But what it is is, if you have nothing and you get a hand up and you get subsidies and grants. 
um, and opportunities to come over here and you do, you're not going to waste that. Right. On top of that, let me help you level the playing field so that you can look at your people a little differently. A trillion dollars in buying power annually at bare minimum. Some people have it as high as $3.7 trillion, but let's just go with a trillion, make it nice and even. Every last one of us, even the poorest of us, has a computer in their pocket that has Google. It ain't hard to get information. We don't want it. We don't want it, not because um, it's hard to attain. We don't want it because we don't want to do the work. And when I say we, I'm talking about a collective we. Obviously, I do the work. Obviously, you do the work. But we're in what's called a very, very small minority. Everybody else wants to get on and live the dream and and do all the fly shit, but they don't want to put in the work to do the fly shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you know, so, I think a lot of people are scared, man. I mean, I mean, they're scared to do because once you find, like, yes, you're you're absolutely right. The information is out there, pretty much, right? You Google it; it's going to show up on your phone, right? I don't give a shit what the question is. Yep. But once you found that information, once you have it in your hands, once you've read it, once you've downloaded it into your brain, mm-hmm. now you have to apply it. Now you yeah. got to use it. Yeah. Now you have to stand on it. Yeah. And that's some scary shit. Where? You can, it, it is because honestly, <laughs> you can't, well, in particular for, in particular for black folks, because you can find the truth and you can be dead right. Mm-hmm. You can be dead here's right. The, you know what I'm saying? Here's, here's where black people go wrong. I want to tell you everywhere in history where black people went wrong. Black people went wrong because we sought approval from white people. Period. All right. The civil rights movement, and and this is another thing I hate about our parents and grandparents. They make the civil rights movement about one thing, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, before he died, said, on record, I feel like I might have integrated my people into a burning house. Martin Luther King, on record, before he died, said, Mm -hmm. when we go and I come back from this, we're going to D.C. and we're going to get our check. Mm-hmm. What's the last time you heard anybody black talk about reparations that anybody you know cares about? Never. But all you hear is, I have a dream that my four little children can sit with the white people and eat Ovaltine and drink milk. You don't hear anything but that. Because once you martyr somebody, you can control the rhetoric. You sounded exactly like do. Martin Luther King on the boondocks. Niggas are filled with unfulfilled ambitions. Niggas wax and wane. Niggas love to complain. (laughs) They love to talk, but hate to explain. I I, I appreciate your impersonation on the spot. There, you didn't rehearse that. Like, yo, um, I got, I got a crazy memory. I'm I'm a smart dude, but in, in all seriousness, though, you don't talk about Malcolm X. We don't. May 19th happened, came and went. Don't nobody say nothing. That's Malcolm X Day. We don't have no holiday for Malcolm X because Malcolm X said by any means necessary and everybody took that as, oh, take a gun and go kill all the white people. What he was saying is you need to go up here and make something happen for yourself. You need to go out here and get it. Do what you you need to do. have your own. You need to understand that the media is not here for you. You will get nothing by trying to be at somebody else's lunch counter instead of trying to build a lunch counter for your own. We don't want to do that. We want them to love us so much. We got Stockholm Syndrome and won't diagnose it. Why do you think you got sisters out here with weave down their back? Why do you think you got brothers out here trying to put their worth on a damn sneaker standing, up, standing in line because Michael Jordan, who cares nothing about his people, um, 
still has these sneakers out here where he gets checks, does nothing for anybody. But y'all, y'all call Stefan Marbury crazy. But he had a $15 sneaker using the damn same plants that they make the Jordans. Mm-hmm. So at what point do we stop and just say, okay, this is a choice. Instead of looking for approval from people who don't matter and will never respect you because you come from slavery. Let's just call it what it is. Even if you trace your lineage back, which you probably can't, but let's say you trace your lineage back and there's not one slave anywhere in your bloodline, you still look like them. So at the end of the day, they will not respect you. They respect dogs more than respect you, ask Michael Vick. So at what point do you stop the mass hysteria and say, I need to take care of me and mine? If everybody just took care of me and mine, but we won't do that, then we'll sit up here and we'll look for a savior. So y'all looked for Barack Obama and got disappointed because, oh, shock, Barack ain't us. I know that's not popular. I like the man. I've met the man. I've talked to the man. He's a very nice guy, but he ain't us. Here's what I mean. Barack Obama's father came from Africa. His mother was white. He was raised in Hawaii. And I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii, but trust me, the natives in Hawaii, even though they are a part of the United States, they can't ball. So if you can ball because you're taller and you just have the genetic makeup to ball, not only do you become the star of the basketball team, but you also become their mascot. So Barry Obama was born. Boom. So by the time Barry Obama got himself over to the mainland, then he started to get his Negro moments when he became a a community organizer. But he didn't go through not being picked um, to play on the baseball team because he was the wrong color. He didn't go through anybody coming at him uh, saying you can't date this person, you can't be in this neighborhood after this amount of time, after this, uh, after the streetlights come on, because that's a sundown town thing that he can't relate to. His wife can, but he can't. So he didn't get that message until early on. But here's the thing about Barack Obama that's very interesting and it should piss black people off. Black people marched and sang and they hopped their way to the voting booth, said, ching, ching, yes, we can. And they let Barack deal with it. But they never told Barack what they wanted. If you ask any Hispanic, ask them what they want, they will automatically in unison say border control. If you ask anybody in the LGBTQ community what they wanted, don't ask, don't tell, repealed, marriage in 50 states, and they got it. You want to know why these groups got it? Because they cut a check. All we did was vote and then complain and went home. And that is why we don't get anywhere. If you want to buy into the whole system, then buy into the whole system. But no Negroes, you bought them Jordans. No Negroes, you bought them Red Bottoms. No Negroes, you buy them Weaves. You buy them whips and them chains and then wonder why you get whipped and chained to this day. But what you mean buying into the system? Because the record industry is all I know. That's all I've seen. That's all. That's the only way I've seen it done. So that's a choice. Matter of fact, if if I'm I'm, I'm an artist, so I know that the record industry, they have the machine. They got Mm -hmm. the machine. How the fuck else am I going to get on the cover of Team People? I don't know them guys. <laughs> How the hell else am I get on the view? I need damn the machine. A team damn a team people, damn a view. That's again looking for white approval. You don't need that. If you had your people, you wouldn't need nobody else. You wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Trillion dollars. Tr- tr- that's more money than Scrooge McDuck had in his money bin. And you trying to tell me that you need all these other things that don't matter? In an age where all you got to do is, like, I mean, you could put a record. I got records on iTunes right now. Still making money. 
So what do you need the system for? You need the system because you want to be accepted. You want to be picked first for the baseball team. That's what it comes down. You want White Daddy to love you. You want Mr. Drummond to take you out of obscurity and, and give you give you a nice room with Willis in a bunk bed. That's what you want. You don't want to make it happen. You don't want to make good music. You want to be popular because you didn't get any ass in high school. <laughs> That's what this comes down to. You are running a popularity contest, but you are a grown-ass man. You sound like an idiot. And that's the problem. But see, nobody will tell you that because they're scared to tell you the truth. And the truth is, the reason that you are not successful has less to do with systematic white supremacy than it does your own desire to stay immediately ignorant to everything that's happening around you. Here's another example. If you watch BET, there's always a commercial for Cash for Gold. If you watch VH1 and these Love & Hip Hop reality shows, you'll see a Cash for Gold commercial. Now, if you watch anything that white people watch, the CNBC, the Bloomberg Report, any of that, they'll tell you, go buy gold, buy gold, buy silver. There's a reason for that. Because the dollar is becoming less and less valuable. But you Negroes won't stay off of BET, VH1, and Worldstar. Oh, y'all Negroes love screaming Worldstar, but won't do anything to save your brother while he's getting his ass blown, his head blown off his ass. And then you blame everybody but yourself. You better cut some checks where it matters. And let's forget the president for a minute. When's the last time you actually spent some money on a city council person? When's the last time you actually did anything to improve the political climate in your own city. Yeah, those crickets are the sound of what's going on in your head because you know your ass ain't do shit. I'm impressed So black man, black woman. Right. Was that your mouth? That's what it is. <laughs> huh? Like, you've you done a number of impersonations. And shit. <laughs> God damn, you got hidden talent. <laughs> he, that guy, he that black guy from Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yo, all right, so talk a little bit more about uh, Purchase, Pitch, Close, Upsell, and Repeat. Pitch, Close, Upsell, Repeat. All right, so basically when you break down the anatomy of a sale, you have four parts. Um, I don't care what it is. It always comes down to the pitch, the close, the upsell, and a repeatable process. So let's break them down. A pitch is what you say. So let's say if you're trying to talk to a woman, there's a difference between somebody who has a really crisp mouthpiece and somebody who sounds like a bumbling idiot. Somebody with a crisp mouthpiece will always wind up never alone, always with somebody in their bed. It's the same concept. Um, if you look at Vince from Shanwell, you don't know pretty much anybody else. You know Billy Mays, you know Vince from Shanwell. Why? Because they know how to convey a message very simply. You know, this does this. And then they do what's called the wow demo. The wow demo is actually showing what it is that you're saying. We do a lot of saying, a very little showing. So you have to show people what it is that you're saying. And then when you close them, you want to basically say, look, sign here and here. Here's why. Let's go. And you don't give them room to maneuver outside of that. When you're upselling, you get upsold all the time. If you think I'm lying, your black ass went to McDonald's and supersize it. Boom. Upsell. Good night. Didn't cost them much more. Literally, you can take a medium drink and pour it into a large cup and it will still be the same amount of liquid. And you dummies keep supersizing it. So you paid for nothing other than to have a bigger cup. So, um, yeah, and then when it comes down to a repeatable process, McDonald's does not make a better burger than my 70-year-old mother. However, my mother does not have a system of delivering those burgers to every place on earth. So McDonald's has a system of making a grade D burger that's mediocre at best over and over and over again to billions. And they were smart enough to put something up 
that when you see it, whether you're in a, a rural setting or whether you're on a highway near a truck stop, if you see those golden arches, you know you can get a food, uh, you can get some food there. And then the most brilliant thing they ever did was say, if you get this meal for your kids, they'll be happy. And then mm. <laughs> the best part about it is you're not paying for the kids to be happy, and you're not paying for that 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 uh, that that. 50 cent toy you're paying for just a few moments as a parent where your kid will shut the hell up without without violence. that is priceless <laughs> right so there yeah, it is it. so yo, pitch close up so repeat dig that yo dave thank you for coming through man like this was like i gotta have you back man to talk some more shit because this was i some of the things that I I thought that we would talk about some things, but some stuff that I didn't think we would talk about. Oh, we laid in it. Oh damn, we laid in it today. <laughs> I'm sorry, did did I mess up y'all show? I'm sorry. Hell no, 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 no. Actually, we got a lot more to discuss. I just don't want to like make this a seven hour show. So. <laughs> Yo, real That's shit, man. Up, man. Hey, this was awesome, man. Hey, matter of fact, you awesome. want to tell tell the people about uh, where they can listen to your podcast and find you on social media, go buy the book, all of that shit. All right, well, you can get the book anywhere. Amazon is always great. Um, you can also uh, check out my podcast. It's called The Business Bully Show, and that's exactly what it is. And what I do is I talk to a lot of my celebrity friends and people who are behind the scenes of some of your favorite celebrities, and I break down their business acumen. I break down what they do. Um, David Banner is going to be on my show next week, so we're going to chop it up about his album, The God Box, and really get into what's happening there. So you can go to businessbullyshow.com, just like it sounds. I don't do uh, phonetic Negro spelling. Businessbullyshow.com. Um, and all of my information is there. Follow me, all that good stuff. If you go on uh, Facebook, you can find me at The Business Bully. So um, it's pretty simple, man. I just want people to, uh, you know, wake up and do better for themselves because relying on somebody to give you a good job is a good way to get into a good grave. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Yo, hey, you a nice grade. You got a nice one. <laughs> Yo, man, Costco's selling these caskets for like oh, 300 They nice. <laughs> what, they got spinners on them or something? Hey, bro, some of them do. I need. A, that's why I'm getting creamy. My big ass ain't getting in no casket. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that right now. too. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Yo, yeah, hey. Okay, so as far as everybody else is concerned, we're going to go ahead and end the show. And then, Dave, we're going to talk some more shit, man. We're going to come back. So y'all check the rest of the shit on the website, whatever. Man, we're going to get into it. Yeah. Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com.